What's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 21 of the Speak My Peace podcast. As always, I'm the host with the most, Greg Lacey. And as I always say, man, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I say it almost every episode. I'm going to say it every episode. You guys are what part of what fuel me to keep going with these episodes. You guys tuning in. So I thank you if it's your very first time listening. I thank you if you've listened to every episode. Um, if this is your very first time, welcome to my podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in, whatever got you to listen to it. If this is your 21st time listening or if this is 100 time listening, I welcome you too for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, as the saying goes, you know, you could be anywhere, anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with me. And in fact, you are anywhere in the world because you're obviously not here with me recording, but that's beyond the point. So once again, man, thank you and huge shout out to y'all for, for tuning in. Before we do jump into anything, we're going to start this episode off on a very somber note. Just because of you know what's I, what I've been witnessing going on back home. If you pay attention to the news, you pay attention to any type of news or even social media, you probably have seen you know the videos or the pictures of the the wildfires going on in California and unfortunately unfortunately you know sometimes there's wildfires going on in California and it's just like one particular area this one is not that's not the case um I have friends that are in northern California who was experiencing the same thing that you know my family and friends are experiencing in southern California so basically you know just a huge huge deal right now in California with these uh with these wildfires not only is you know people losing their valuables people losing their homes but also just the air quality of you know what's going on with the embers and the ashes of what comes with things like these wildfires um so i want to send it i'm i mean they have been in my prayers but i just want to say it on here you know i'm sending out my prayers to everyone who is or has been affected by these wildfires hopefully you know they're all contained within the next couple of days but me being from California, I know how these things work. You know, usually take about a week or so before they are contained. And I know there has been firefighters and first responders on the scene trying to get the stuff contained and doing whatever they can do to, you know, make sure there's not too too much more damage. But sometimes with stuff like this, they're uncontrollable. So you never know what to expect with things like wildfire. So once again, I want to send my thoughts and prayers to my families and friends and to everyone affected by these wildfires going on in uh, Southern and Northern California. With that being said, this episode is not going to be too long, or I can't predict that, but I can say that I'm not going to try to keep you guys for too long. Um, when I first started out this podcast, I expressed how I wanted to use this to basically express myself in different avenues. Um, I wanted to, you know, touch on certain topics as far as sports, uh, politics, uh, world news, local news, um, music. Also wanted to have like themed episodes. So 
basically like I've have done everything that I've sought that I planned to do. Only thing that was left on the list that I haven't touched yet was storytelling. Um, what I wanted to do with that is I just wanted to give you guys a instance which each storytelling episode where I just want to give you guys tell you guys a story, you know, about me or somehow affecting me that can you know maybe inspire my listeners or whatever the case is. I just wanted to to be able to showcase a story for my listeners. Um, for the sake of just being transparent with my listeners, I feel like I haven't been I haven't been one hundred percent transparent, but I have been transparent in this podcast as far as me opening up. Um, if you know me personally, you know that I'm the type of person that I don't open up too much, and it's not that I'm scared to or anything like that. It's just that's just not who I am. It's not in my uh, it's not in my personality. That I don't go out of my way to 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 open up and stuff like that, but. With the storytelling episodes, what I want to do is that's what I want to do. I'm gonna showcase that vulnerability and be able to openly express myself, and you know, bring people into the world of art. Not even just bring people to my world, but to 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 tell people something they may not know about me, um, whether for good or for bad, for whether for better or for worse. You know, tell different little stories that they may be surprising for my listeners. So that's what I'm gonna do for today's episode give you guys a um, little story a significant story that I believe as far as like where I am in my life right now um, yeah I might as well get into it I already spoke about it a little bit so the story I want to give you guys is a story that I feel like is significant with me being in a place I am now me being in New York me being a full-time student at a school in New York me getting ready to graduate uh, college and to enter back into the career field after being out I mean Entering uh, back into the workforce after basically being out for about four years. Um, so let's basically I'll give you guys the back, not even a background in the story, but I give you guys a little details so I can jump into the story. So the story takes place, I believe, how am I tell the story? I don't know the details of my own story. I believe the story takes, because I separated in the military in 2014. So this story had to take place in 2013. Yeah, I believe the story took place. In, it had to take two place in 2013 because of yeah. Okay, all right. So the story takes place in 2013. Um, I was still in the military at the time, and for those of you who don't know, I was in the military. Um, and so during the time I was in the military, most of my friends, and still to this day, all my friends are older than me. Um, so you know, you work for you work five to six days a week. You're going to want to unwind on the days that you get off, whether it's two days or whether it's one day, um, whether it's 48 hours, whether it's 24 hours or 12 hours. That's normally the culture in the military is that when you get a day off, you want to unwind. Um, me being where I was stationed at, I was stationed in Northern California, but it was like it was an hour and a half or an hour from Sacramento. But where our station was, it was in the middle of nowhere. So what did me and my friends do on the weekends? We unwind, whether that was going to um, a house party, whether that was going to clubs, whether it was going to bars, or whether that was just chilling, you know, and inviting people over or whatever the case is. So me being young and a group of friends who was all older than me, all of legal age to, to drink and to, to legally get into clubs and stuff like that. We somehow concocted the, a way for me to get into clubs while I was... I had been going to clubs probably for like t- 
two or three years before I even turned 21 just because we found a, a, a way to, to finesse the system and to get myself in the club. So I was not, not even three years, it was two years. I was 19, 20 years old in a club with my friends who were 22, 23, 25, whatever the age is. They was obviously of legal age to you know be in places like that and also to drink as well. Um, so this was what we did on the weekends. On this particular weekend, it was 2013. I turned 21 in 2014. So on this particular weekend, you know, as I would expect many groups of friends do, you know, when you go out, especially when you go out so much as much as we did, because we went out every weekend, somebody has to be a designated driver. Um, either you all take turns, you have a certain rotation, or somebody volunteers. Me, I didn't mind volunteering too much, but we also took turns. And this particular night, I think I volunteered. It was me and two of my homeboys. I think actually it was me and three of my homeboys who went out. But one of them was already near the city that we was going to the club in. And the two of us rolled down there together. So I was a person who was driving. And then I had my two friends with me. Then we met up with another friend. Blah, blah, blah. We went to the club. So me, personally, my favorite drink I don't well I guess I have to form warn you guys or give you guys a, I guess a disclosure of what I should say is I don't drink anymore I'm sober I've been sober about three years not that I had a problem with anything it's just that I feel like drinking is a habit that I'm proud to that I'm able to cut now at such a young age rather than try to cut it later on in life when I may develop a certain type of problem or I may be too dependent upon alcohol or something like that so I'm proud to be 25 year old, 25 years old, and to be completely sober. Now I'm not gonna say I've been completely sober for three years, but I have been completely sober for about two years. Because within that first year, I didn't I didn't drink too much, but I had a couple of drinks. Like I remember, like within that first year that I got drunk, I remember that I planned on getting drunk on Fourth um, of July. And Fourth of July was probably like came maybe like six or seven months within you know me telling myself I don't stop drinking. So I got real drunk on 4th of July. I haven't really, I can't think of any time I really drunk after that. Um, at the 4th of July, my birthday rolled around in February. I tried to get drunk then, but I don't know what happened. I just couldn't get drunk. Like I had a couple drinks and my tolerance was still high. So I didn't get drunk then. And then since then, I haven't really had any liquor. Uh, later that year in October, this was 2016, um, me and my girlfriend, we went out to San Francisco. Um, we was out there for a weekend to catch the Cowboys in the San Francisco 49ers game. And we met up with some of my friends. And, you know, just me being a uh, social... I wasn't even... I wouldn't even call it social drinking. But I took a shot with one of my friends that I haven't seen in a long time that time. That's literally the last taste of alcohol I've had, which was October 2016. But since then, I haven't, I haven't tasted alcohol. And, and I'm proud of it. But I had to give you guys that backstory um, because that also coincides with where I'm at now as far as my current position in life and where I think I'm going. Anyways, back to the story. So my um, my go-to drink when I used to drink was always, especially in the club, was Long Island iced tea. I don't know what it was about Long Island. Also, I like I like iced tea. Um, so I probably, I probably could be what it was. And I also like lemonade. So Long Island iced tea is, is kind of the mix of that. Um, and that was my go-to drink. Um, give me a couple of Long Island iced teas, and and, and that get me right. 
So here I am, 19, 20 years old in the club, and you know that's what my if I go to the club. You know I drink a, a Coke and uh, Jack or whatever they got, Coke and Henny, whatever they got. I drink that every now and then, but my go-to all the time if I wanted to get right was always Long Island Iced Tea. So this particular night, we go to the club. I'm a designated driver. My friends are drunk. You know, we having a good time at the the club or whatever. And I'm designated driver, but I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna not drink at all. And this is just me being young and ignorant. If I'm a designated driver, I have to be 100% designated driver, or not. You know, I'm gonna get a little sip and still be all right, whatever. Um, so we go to the club. I had one drink, and I don't know why, but this particular night, I got this Long Island Iced Tea. This is probably the this is probably the strongest Long Island iced tea I've ever had in my life. Mind you, this was a club or I don't it was a club or a bar, I forgot where we went to. But this is somewhere we went frequently. So like we knew most of the time we knew like the bartenders, um, or whatever, and for the most part they didn't change the bartenders too much. So like we knew like basic we knew our tolerance based off those drinks, so we knew who was preparing and we knew how it was prepared. For some reason, this night, this Long Island iced tea I had was so strong that, and it, it was one of those nights, I know everybody had those nights where you, you can taste alcohol and I'm like, you know what, it's stronger than it usually is. So, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to have one. I'm not going to get drunk, but I'm going to have one drink. I just want some alcohol on my system. So I got a Long Island iced tea this night, and I'm noticing that it's stronger than it usually is, but that doesn't hinder, you know, my my soberness or anything like that. Like, yeah, it, it, it was hidden that night. But it wasn't too crazy to to mess me up or anything like that. So I had that one drink, but I'm still in mind. Like, damn, that's the strongest drink I. That's a, uh, as far as Long Island goes. That's probably the strongest one I've ever had. So the night ends. We're leaving the club, and my friends, my two friends that I came with, they leave with me. My other homeboy that that met us at the club, we left with a girl. And the two friends that came with me, we were still living on base at the time. The other homeboy who we met down there, he he didn't live on base. Actually, we didn't. We wasn't going to base. But what we do is, because we used to drink. And forewarning, I'm not, I'm not um, recommending drinking and driving to anyone. So don't. From what I'm telling you, I'm not. You know, don't use it. Don't use this story as me trying to influence anyone to drink and driving. Um, or to influence you to drink and drive. Drink and, drink and driving is not okay at all. But this is just what we done in our ignorance. Being young, you know, you live and you learn. Like Hove said, you know, Hove did that, so hopefully you ain't have to go through that. So that's what this. That's what me telling you guys this story is. Is basically, you know, I did that, so hopefully y'all ain't got to go through that. Learn from my mistakes. Um. Anyway, so what we used to do is because. Three of us lived on base, and so in our inner circle was five of us. Two lived off base. Three of us lived on base. In order to get onto a military installation, you know, you have to go through a security checkpoint, give them your name, and all that type of stuff. So obviously, if you're drinking and you're doing a security checkpoint, they're going to smell alcohol on you. So what we would do is on nights that you know we was drinking, and even if the even if the um, designated driver didn't drink at all that night, the 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 car is going to smell like alcohol or something like that, especially if you're drunk. So what we would do is one of our homeboys used to let us crash at his pad instead of going straight back to base, which was basically like a safe haven for us because we didn't have to worry about going through no checkpoints. We didn't have to worry about making sure that we drive home and get home or get to his house safe. So that's what we was doing this night. Um, so I'm the driver. Two of my homeboys were with me. We're going wherever we was going. And 
as we're leaving the club, mind you, like we didn't we didn't get no further than like a mile away from the club as we're going back home. So we left the club. I'm leaving. I'm pulling out. I'm driving. And literally, as I'm about to get onto the freeway, I see the worst thing that you can see as a black man when you're driving a car, which is those red and blue lights. And you hear this. You hear the siren first and then you see the red and blue lights. So immediately I'm going to panic mode, not because I had one drink, but it's just like I had my drunk friends with me. Um, I just had to. Yeah, actually, it was because I had one drink. I, I just had the strongest drink out of all nights for me just to have one drink and to drive. I just had the strongest drink I probably didn't ever had. Mind you, on top of all that, I was just in the club when I shouldn't have been in there because I was 20 years old. Um, and I just had some alcohol, which I shouldn't have because that's not in California. The legal age to drink is 21. So that's two offenses right there. And then on top of all that, I'm operating a motor vehicle. That's three offenses if I'm found, you know, if I'm found guilty for drinking and driving or anything like that. So my mind just raised because, like, damn, out of all times for me to be seeing this sirens, this is the one time that I don't want to be seeing it right now because my whole life can be like I can I can mess up everything I have going for me in my life. Now at this time, I. Like, I got out of the military, I want to say a year, uh, probably a year or a year and a half after this incident. I don't remember the month, but I remember the year. Um, So, probably like a year or a year and a half after this happened. Um, I would have a better timeline if I knew what month this happened. But, anyways, so it's like, at the time that this is happening, I'm, I'm not even aware that I'm, you know, getting ready to transition to, you know, get out of the military. So as far as I know, my military career is in jeopardy right now if I'm caught drinking and driving. And my life is in jeopardy right now because I don't know what I'm going to do if I get caught drinking and driving and these niggas throw me in jail. Um, and to, to give you guys a ser- how serious this is, is if you don't know anything about the military as far as like what you are punished for, the two things that they have zero tolerance for is sexual assault, sexual harassment, and drinking and driving those two things that the military don't play with as far as punishment goes they are very strict in the punishments that they are that they hand down for those type of offenses um so back to the story we get um i get pulled over mind you not too far from the club i know i have a I have some alcohol in my breath because i just had the strongest long island iced tea ever mind you i'm not drunk which is the reason why i'm driving a car which is why i'm saying i don't recommend drinking and driving i i know my tolerance even if I know my tolerance, though, that's still that's still not a smart decision for me to have made um, to to even have one drink, knowing that I was going to be the person driving. But I made a mistake and I live with it and I had to deal with the consequences. But anyway, so to get back to the story, we get pulled over and all this stuff is racing through my head. It's like, damn, I know I just had the strongest Long Island iced tea. I shouldn't be driving. I'm underage. I just came from the club. Um and aside from I shouldn't have because they can't find out whether I was in a club or not but they can't find out whether or not I was drinking or not so like I'm on top of that I'm drinking on the age so I can be punished by you know local authority and still be punished by you know the military authority and jeopardize my career that I have a hand right at hand right now mind you I'm only 20 years old um so for me to have a career at 20 years old and for that to be in jeopardy it's a pretty huge thing because 
you know, most people don't start careers that young of an age. And for me to, for that to be my first job and for that to have been my career at the time, for that to be in jeopardy, like, I don't know how I, or I'm thinking in my mind as this is going on, like, I don't know how I'm going to move forward with this because this is my first job. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do from here. Like, my whole life, it could possibly go downhill from here. Thank God it didn't, but that's a later part of the story. Anyway, so we get pulled over. Officer comes to the uh, come to the window, roll down the window. He asked me. Um, basically, they pulled me over. They said I was swerving. I know I wasn't swerving, but you know, you know how officers are, especially when you're black and you're driving a car. So you tell me I was swerving. Can't I? I I'm not going to argue with that because I know I smell like my my breath smell like liquor. So I'm trying to keep the words as minimal as possible because I don't want them to detect that I had been drinking. But anyways, um, I um, I'm trying to keep my the conversation the the words in my sentences as minimum possible so to him to detect that. So he t- he said that I was uh that I was swerving. He caught me swerving uh in my lane, and they know in the area that we're coming from because they they was basically following us for a while. Because m- mind you, I'm driving this whole time. Like I I noticed that the police is following us for the very f- short time that I'm driving, following leaving, leaving this club parking lot. So they, they I noticed they was following me for a while. Um, so they finally pulled me over, blah blah blah. And so he telling me that he was swerving. He said they was following me for a while, and they noticed I was swerving. I know I wasn't swerving, but I'm not in a place to argue right now because I'm already in the wrong for something I don't want to get caught for. So the conversation goes on. He starts to mention that, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm skipping things. So they know that the area that we was in, it was a club area. So he know that, you know, you have three black dudes in a car. More than likely, they're probably coming from the club, especially in the area that was in. It was downtown Sacramento. So it's not too many things in that part of Sacramento, especially in that part of downtown Sacramento, other than bars and clubs. So from where they followed us at, he know that we was coming from either a club or a bar. He see three black dudes in a car. Somehow they saw me swerving, um, so he detected I'm drunk. He asked me, you know, have I been drinking? Obviously, I'm going to say no, because first of all, I'm 20 years old, and second of all, I'm driving a car. So he had me. He asked me if I had any drinks. I said no. He said, "Well, he smelled liquor in the car." Now I don't know how hard. I don't know how this. Well, I guess is I tell you how strong those. Uh, either how strong those uh, Long Island iced teas were. Or he was just looking for a reason to pull me out of the car. But, you know, he tells me that he smells liquor. And, you know, I tell him, no, maybe it's my friends. They've been drinking. He said, no, he, he think he smelled it, you know, coming off my breath. And then he asked me to step out of the car, take a breathalyzer test. Now, me being, uh, I haven't given you guys my um, background in the military. I was a paralegal. So, I know a lot of things, especially, like, dealing with situations with authority and the police and certain things like that. So, like, I know, like, the ins and outs of the stuff, basically. But just, like, in this situation, I know that I'm not trying to get caught with anything. I'm not trying to get in trouble for anything. So, he asked me to step out of the car. Um, I don't, in that situation, I don't have to step out of the car. And this is for any young black man listening to this, um, listening to this podcast right now. A police have to have a reason to actually step out of a car if they suspect something like if the car smell like weed um you know then maybe that's the basis to actually step out of a car but if they smell alcohol on your breath that alcohol has to be really strong it has to be like especially if you knew you hadn't you hadn't been drinking you don't have to step out of that car um if you have a warrant then they have the basis to actually step out of the car but anything other than that like they don't have any 
basis until you step out of a car. Just keep that in mind when dealing with police to get it pulled over. But me, you know, I'm paranoid. I'm not tr- not trying to get in trouble. So, and I'm also not trying to get in my friend in trouble. Um, another thing that the poli- that the military does is they punish people who aid in underage drinking and uh, DUI. So, like, had I got in trouble that night, my two friends who were with me also got in trouble. Thank God we didn't get in trouble and we escaped it. But anyways, he asked me to step out of the car. I step out of the car. He asked me some further questions. I tell him, you know, basically denying drinking the whole time. They're still, you know, adamant about, you know, smelling liquor on my breath. So, at this point, they asked me to take a, uh, what the hell is that shit called? Um... I don't know what the field sobriety test is the test, the, the physical test, and then the the breath. Okay, yeah, so the f- sobriety test is the physical test when they ask you to do little things like uh, count backwards, say ABC backwards, or walk on a straight line, certain things like this. So, <laughs> and the whole reason, the whole time while this is going on, like, why you talking to me? My friends is nervous as hell. One of our, my windows were tinted on my car, but I could still see whatever, obviously because the police car was behind me, so they had their bright-ass lights uh, shining on my car. So, like, I can see the whole time while the officer is talking to me because I'm in a position to still see my car. My friends are looking back, and they are just paranoid as hell, just scared. Cause they don't, and I'm laughing now, but during the time, like, we wasn't laughing because it was so serious, but I'm glad I'm out of it so I can look back and laugh now. But, um... Uh, I remember looking back in my car, my friends just looking back, you know, through the uh, rearview mirror, I mean, rearview window, and they just scared as hell not knowing what's going to happen. But anyways, I take the field sobriety test. I forgot I, I forgot all the tests that I take, but I did the walk straight line. Um, I did the ABCs backwards, and they have this another other thing to where you have to count using your fingers and your thumb, and then you have to reverse it. So I did that. And I passed all of them. Now, at this point, the officer who was administrating this is, is pissed because he knows that he smelled liquor. And at this point, I know he smelled liquor, too, because I'm starting to smell it. I had this strong ass Long Island. So I passed these tests and he's pissed off like, fuck, you know what I'm going to do to get them now. So after I pass these tests and I pass them, I'm not just saying I pass them like I pass these tests with flying colors. Like I remember standing at attention before even administer before I even taken this if you don't know what standing attention is is basically what they call you know if you've probably seen like military movies where the dudes say attend hut and everybody's standing like tall or whatever chest out you know head up straight and all that type of stuff that's what standing attention is that's the best way for me to describe it without being too uh technical or whatever but um so I'm standing at attention while I'm doing all this stuff and he's pissed because I passed all of them so you know what's next is the breathalyzer so he, he tell me he we do the breathalyzer test. He tell me to blow. Now me trying to be slick because I know that I have this liquor now. Like at this point, it's like all right, dog. You know you have some couple of drinks. If you get caught, you know that's it. It's a wrap. So I take this uh, breathalyzer test. The first time I blew it, <laughs> I tried to be slick and I blew light. Like I like I blew hard. Uh, no homo pause, but I blew hard, but soft at the same time that kind of makes sense like i tried to to fake it to make it seem like i'm giving him all not giving him my all and again pause but i, I try to make it seem like I, i'm actually like actually blowing but i know that like what's coming out of my mouth again pause is 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 soft and so they notice it so he get pissed because i blew so light that i guess it didn't even monitor me blowing and a breathalyzer. 
So he gets mad at that. He take off the little uh, plastic piece and he throws it on the car. He said, you blew to light. Try it again. So at this point, I'm like, all right, dog. You know, my heart, my like, I'm not showing it, but uh, my my heart is beating on my chest. So at this point, it's like, all right, just like you about to blow on his breathalyzer pause. This is this is gonna make a break. Your this is gonna make a break. A lot of shit going on in your life right now because you know if you fail this, this is it. So the second time I blow, I, I blow. I don't blow my hardest, but I blow a little bit because obviously I'm still in the mind that I know I had a, a drink and it was strong as hell. So I don't blow as I don't blow my hardest, but I do blow the breathalyzer enough for it to register um, my breath or whatever. So I blow it. And I don't know what the breathalyzer read, but I know that it wasn't the uh, legal alcohol limit of zero 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 point zero eight. I know it was way lower than that. So at this point, he's really pissed off because now that I really blew for it to register it and I'm below it. I don't remember. I don't honestly don't remember what I blew, but I know it just wasn't enough. So now he's visibly upset and. He takes him because he had my like ID and my registration on the windshield of the uh, the cop cruiser. So he take my shit and he handed it back to me. And he was like, "All right, you guys." Uh, he was like, um, "Damn, I forgot what he said. I wish I remember what he said. It was so long ago." Basically, he was pissed off that I, that he didn't catch me, but he was like, "It did. This didn't register, but I still smell alcohol in my breath." So you, you, if I was you, I wouldn't drive home. Um, you should pull over here. And since your friends are with you, you know, they shouldn't drive either. You should pull over here and just stay there, park there for the night and have some, or have someone come pick you up. So I'm like, all right. You know, at this point, it's like, I don't give a fuck what you're saying. I passed the breathalyzer test. I passed the field sobriety test. Nigga, I'm good. Because, you know, all the shit I had in jeopardy right now, I'm over it. Like, it was a, a huge board, It was a huge burden left, left on my shoulder. So... He tells us to do this. And I'm not even listening. I'm like, all right, dog. Just give me back my, just give me back my shit and let me go. So I get in the car, faking like I'm uh, pulling over to to park and have somebody gonna pick us up. Obviously, we wait to the coast to clear and we leave and we head to our homie's house. But this whole time, it was like I don't know. Like I've been a little, I've been happy a lot of times in my life, but this is probably one of the most happiest times I've ever had in my life because so much stuff I had in jeopardy, and I reflect on where I am now. This is probably in jeopardy because. If you know, if you get punished in military, or even if like with something like that, they could have potentially kicked me out of the military. I would be right now out of the military with no recognition of being, you know, had I have been caught with no recognition of being a veteran. And what the significance of that is is the benefits I have. Like I have healthcare benefits, I have educational benefits, I have a disability pension. And I recognize a veteran. Like I go to different restaurants, I go to different stores and I'm able to get veteran discounts and different things like that. So like I don't know, for some people that may not seem like a lot, but if you're an actual veteran and you benefit from these things, you know how much that means. Like I get paid like right now I'm living in New York and I get paid to go to school. They pay my tuition, they give me a housing allowance, they pay for my books. Um I get a disability pension every month of my life for the rest of my life. Um, it doesn't decrease; it only increases. Um, also, have health care and I have to have dental that you know, in which they pay for. So you think about like all these benefits. To most people, that may not seem like a lot, but for me, that that's a man. I can't even express how great that is because had this stuff not happened, had this had I had been jammed for that, 
I would have none of these benefits. I would probably be back home trying to figure something out. Um, I'd probably be in a scarce situation because, like, when I'm able to, I'm able to live. I wouldn't say comfortable. Well, I'm gonna say comfortably because I am living comfortably. But I'm able to function. You know how I function because I have all the stuff to to back and basically because I'm well taken care of. The government is taking care of me. Without this government assistance, I would probably be like I probably would have got the military and had to find a nine to five job, or I had to find like a warehouse job or something like that. Because I don't I don't come from a family of money, so like I know in certain situations it is not to knock on certain people, but I know certain people, you know, you fall in certain situations, you know, you have your parents to fall back on, not as far as financially, but as far as having a roof over your head or maybe to shoot you off with a couple of dollars, certain things like that. I don't come from that type of background to where I can, you know, get kicked out of military and return home and have a roof over my head. Like, had I got kicked out of military, I would have to figure something out because I wouldn't have had a roof over my head. I wouldn't have had, you know, no parents to, to shoot me some money to, to until I land on my feet. I had to, I would have had to take care of all that stuff myself. And so that's why I'm very, very grateful for the position I'm in because, like, my senior year, I remember my senior year in high school that college wasn't even in my college wasn't even in my by the, well I'm gonna say in the beginning of my senior year of high school I was thinking about college but towards like the ending I had senior year so bad that I didn't even care for college even though senior year is is basically it's been lazy because of obviously because you're a senior um and so I had senior year so bad that I didn't even wasn't even thinking about going to school anymore like I chose to go to the military to to bypass that so for me to be here now Four five years later, getting ready to graduate college, uh, ready to get my degree, enter back in the workforce. I'm forever grateful that for blah 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 blah. I am forever grateful for that because all this shit could have been taken away by a dumb decision. A dumb decision. What? Why am I mixing my words so bad? All this stuff could have been taken away by a dumb decision. A, a simple dumb decision I made that night. A decision that I had made a thousand more time times before that even happened. But that one night could have jeopardized my whole future. It could have it almost jeopardized my whole career. Um, I honestly don't know where I had, I would be right now had I not got past that. And that's the main reason why I wanted to share this. Um, that's the main reason I wanted to share this story with you guys because I don't know. Everybody go through the different you know struggles. Everybody go through different incidents. Whereas you know. It can make and break them. Um, this was my story. This this is, and I've had plenty of other stories that could make or break me at certain points in my life. But this one is a very very great make or break story, just because of certain things that that could have been taken away from me. Um, I wouldn't be able to be in New York right now. If you know anything about New York, New York is very expensive. Before I came to New York, I I lived in San Diego, and this is all on the government's dime. So I have been able to afford to be in certain places. I have been afforded certain benefits just because of my service, just because I was able to separate from the military with an honorable uh, discharge. Um, if you know anything about discharges, you know, there's honorable and there's dishonorable. Dishonorable is basically by the time your military career ends, you're not record. You're like the only thing that you are recognized for in the military is if you have a picture of yourself on Instagram or something like that. But other than that, you can't go into places until you tell people that you are a veteran because 
you don't have any certification of your veteran because they don't give you that certification. There are certain documents to document whether or not you're a veteran or not. So they don't give you those documents. You don't have an ID card. You don't get the, the health care, the dental benefits. Um, you don't get the, the educational programs. You don't get the home loan program. You're not afforded none of these opportunities. But because I'm honorable, you know, I'm honored for my service that I served in the military. You know, I get these benefits. I'm able to I have access to certain uh, veteran home loans. I have access to certain veteran uh, business loans and I am afforded, you know, education benefits and health care benefits and all this other type of stuff. So for this, I'm forever grateful. Um, the main reason why I wanted to tell the story to you guys now, I know I said it already and I didn't get to it because I went on another tangent. It's just that. Don't let just don't let dumb decisions. Why do you keep saying must decisions? Don't let dumb decisions like the one that I made jeopardize your future. You know, if you have a plan for what you want to do for yourself or what you want to do for your life, always keep sight of that because, you know, there's going to be certain things that, that come along along the road to where, you know, you just want to you may want to have fun or you may just want to, you know, let loose or something like that, that you may seem that may seem innocent to you because you made that decision a thousand times before but just be able to recognize you know the the consequences of every action that you make especially like decisions like that like i should have never i should never like i should have never had a a a drink that night um if i did have a drink you know we should i should have been able to foresee that all right we need another plan because can't none of us drive because you're obviously drunk and i had one drink but because I had made the decision numerous times before and because I felt like I knew my tolerance level that I would be able to make that decision that night and still get us home safe. Um, thank God I did get us home safe, but I jeopardized, in the process of that, I jeopardized my future. I could have jeopardized three lives that night, not only in the sense of us losing our career, but I could have killed us you know, driving back to the crib that night. Um, thank God I didn't. But this is all the stuff that this is all the stuff that were at hand at my in my hands that night that I could have either jeopardized or killed. So just be aware of all the consequences of decisions you make. You may see something that's innocent because you made the decision time and time again before and nothing happened and you feel like it's a gamble, but it's a gamble that you're willing to take because of your success rate. Just know that just because you're being successful at something, you're not going to you're not going to always be successful. And it just takes one time to fuck up everything that you have going for yourself. So just keep that in mind. Um, I could have turned this into a, you know, how important sobriety is, but I'm not going to do that. I may have that for another time. But uh, I just wanted to use this episode to. To, to to tell you guys my story, to tell you guys how I almost messed up something. Maybe I can inspire you guys to think about the decisions you make, think about the, the consequences of certain actions you make, just so that you can put yourself in better position to not make decisions like I did, not to jeopardize the future or your friends' futures or any other thing like that. Because honestly, that was a bonehead decision by me. It was an idiotic decision by me, but luckily we came out on top of that. Um, that's really all I have for that story. Um, but in the same vein, just before I do get out of here, another thing I did want to speak about briefly, um, I didn't want to be a part of story time, but as I'm looking at the calendar, I'm reminded. So my, my younger brother's birthday is in four days. Unfortunately, we lost my younger brother two years ago. Um, so 
you know, he's not physically here to to uh, celebrate his birthday with us. But I'll be remiss if I didn't mention this now that I'm looking at the uh, date. You know, one thing that I would say is, you know, we're the majority of my listeners are young. Even if you're not young, everybody has certain goals in life. And, you know, you may be trying to do whatever you can do to attain or achieve those goals. Um, and you may come have tunnel vision with that. And the reason why I'm speaking about this and how it relates to you know my brother's death is, I think about it all the time. It's like you don't you know someone die you don't get them back. I dealt with a lot of death in, uh, death a lot of death in my life, but losing a sibling is is very different. Just like I can assume losing a parent is very different. Now I'm locked on wood because God forbid I lose any of my parents soon. Um, I'm God willingly you know my both of my parents live to be a very old age but uh you know living losing a sibling is is something that you you can't prepare for especially a younger sibling but one thing i always think about when i think about my brother is just you know different instances that i wish i can get back that i can take back as far as like just being an older brother um i remember one the reason why i'm reminded of this is because I'm the type of person that when I have certain goals, I try to, especially like with something like school, it's like I don't like school too much, but it's like I get paid to go to school. So why not, you know, give them all and do like and to achieve, you know, what I need to achieve. But the thing with that is I'm the type of person that when it's a certain goal like that, like as far as graduating school and certain things, it's like I get I have a very severe case of tunnel vision. And what I mean in that sense is. You know, I'm doing, you know, other things. I'm still enjoying life and stuff like that. But I understand what my ultimate goal is. And because I have such tunnel vision that I try not to let anything render what my ultimate goal is. And I and I and I forget a lot of stuff. How this relates to my brother is I failed in a lot of sense. I felt like I, f- I failed being a big brother just because. I wasn't making time to try to be a big, big, big brother just because I was so focused on what I was trying to do. Like when I got out of the military, I moved to San Diego just because I wanted to be home, but I didn't want to be home. Now, it don't make sense for you guys. San Diego is about on a good day is maybe an hour and a half away from Los Angeles. On an average day, it's probably two hours, two and a half hours from Los Angeles. So in that sense, I was home. I was in Southern California, but I was away from the area in which I grew up in. I was away from my family. But, like, if I ever needed to go home on a weekend, I can do that. If I needed to go visit, you know, anybody for a holiday, I can go do that. And if I just wanted to pop up on, you know, any of my family members, I can go do that. But with me, it was like uh, my main reason for being in San Diego is it was a stepping stone to get to where I am now in St. John's. I wanted to go to community college where I went to a four year and that's ultimately where I chose to go. Now I was in San Diego trying to uh, attain my um, associate's degree and that's where a tunnel vision came in because that's what mainly I was focused on. It was like, I'm, I'm trying to get, like I spoke about it in a previous episode, but I graduated quicker than, you know, when my counselor told me I would graduate. So because of that, like that's what my main focus on was on at the time, which is like, how can I get out of here in the quickest way possible? 
and what do I need to do to get out of here in a quick way possible. And with that came just me. And I'm not going to speak about it as if I was the type of person to where I was very studious and I was going all above and beyond. If you know anything about me, I'm not going to go too crazy as far as schooling goes. Um, in middle school, I did. In elementary, I did. Certain parts of high school, I did. But as a grown-up, I don't care too much about school. Um, I get my B's. I'm a B average type of student. I get my B's, get a couple of A's here and there, and that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get everything done. I'm not a 4.0 type of person. Um, I'm I'm fine with being a 3.2, 3.3 type of student. Um, as long as I'm getting everything done and I'm now I'm working towards attaining my achieving my goals. So this is what basically what I was doing in San Diego, and why I felt like I was being I failed to being a big brother because I was home, but. You know, I, I wasn't spending too much time, you know, with my younger brother, who probably in his time, especially like being the age that he was being, I mean, with him being the age that he was, he needed, you know, that type of guidance, especially from a big brother. And I feel like I failed to him in that regards. And I can't, you know, go back and make up anything. Like I can't go back and make up time because he's going out. He's, he's no longer with us. Um, another thing I always think about is... You know, I when I used to even when I was in the military and I used to come home and I don't know what my reason for this. I, I try to think about it. I've been thinking about it for the past two years and I don't know. But I remember, you know, when I used to come home when I was in the military, I remember one instance that stick out in my mind is me, my younger brother, me and both of my younger brothers went to go see my father, who was in uh at the time when he was in prison, he was in uh not too far from home. He was in Long Beach. So I used to come home and, you know, we, all three of us used to go together. Now, we all we all had the same father. We had different mothers. We grew up in different areas. I grew up in Compton. Then I moved to the suburbs. Uh, one of my younger brothers grew up uh, Compton, kind of Long Beach, borderline. And the youngest brother who is now uh, gone is he was uh, he grew up in North Long Beach. So if you know anything about that area is those are all three. While they're very close, those are all three different areas. And we all had three different mothers, so we grew up in three different households. So I used when I one uh, I remember one weekend I came home and we went to go see my father, and I went to go pick them both up and we and we went to go see him, went to go visit my father, whatever, and we left. And as we was leaving, I remember him, you know, trying to tell us like, "Yo, we should hang," not like, and even if it was corny, so what? But I'm saying not in the corny sense because that's not what he was. That's not what it sounded like, and I don't remember verbatim what he was saying, but I remember specifically him, you know, saying like, you know, we should go do something, uh, let's go eat or something, and I remember shooting him like I was driving my um, my oldest little brother. I was, he's only a year, I think we're a year or two separated. Uh, he was in the passenger seat, and then my youngest brother um, was in the back seat. But he was trying to like, you know, make up idea because basically, like, he had nothing to do with back home. So he was trying to say, like, yo, we should go do something and go eat or something like that. And I'm shooting the idea down. My little brother in the passenger seat, we both shooting the idea down. You know, just playing it off because we don't think it's something that serious. So I drop them off, and I go on about my day just like they go on about their day. Now, the thing is, I can't remember what I did that day. And it was so bad that it wasn't significant because I don't remember. Maybe if I remember the date, I probably can pinpoint what I did that day. But whatever it was, it was nothing too important for me not to spend time with my younger brothers. Even if it did seem corny, you know, this was him. Even if he wasn't crying out for help, 
it was kind of in a sense him not even crying out for help, but the, him just wanted to spend time with his big brothers. You know, we all we do. It's rare that we all three was together in one space all the time. It usually be just two of us. Um, and on rare occasions, it was just three of us all together. But um, this was an instance, and this was maybe this was a while before he even uh, passed away. Um, I want to say this may have been like probably that 2013 time frame, 2013, 2012. Um, he passed away. He was murdered. I'm saying passed away. He was murdered in 2016. Damn, I'm getting the years wrong. He was murdered in 2017. I'm sorry. Um, wait, last year was 2017. No, no, he was murdered in 2016. So it may have been three or four years before he passed away um, that this incident happened. So it doesn't have too much of a relation to that, but it was just like, you know, I should have seen that sign early on that, you know, he wanted that he wanted that relationship and that he wanted to, you know, just spend time with his brothers. And, you know, just me being young and dumb and just like I shot that down. I was like, no, you know, I'm going to drop y'all off at y'all house and I'm going to go do what I got to do. I don't know what I did that day. And it pisses me off that I don't remember. But even if I did remember, I, I can promise myself that it wasn't that significant that I should have been, you know, shooting down time. I shoot it down my little brother who's just trying to spend time with his older brothers. And I think about that as now as where I am as well because, you know, sometimes we try, sometimes we have certain goals in our head or we have certain timelines with our lives that we are trying to achieve that we, and, I, I, and I'm saying we, but I don't know if everybody like this, but I'm speaking for myself, that, you know, we, we get this sense of tunnel vision and, you know, we don't see anything else we don't want to deal with anything else and it's like everything else in the outside world doesn't matter and i wish i recognized this at you know an earlier time and unfortunately i didn't and it's too late now only thing i can do now is better my relationships with my other siblings but it's just like i always think back I always think back to that instance three years before he was murdered it was like here he was, you know, trying to spend time with his older brothers and look at me being a dumbass that was too cool to spend time with him because I wanted to do whatever the hell I felt like I had to do that day when I could have took the time out. You know, we could have went somewhere to go eat. We probably would have took no longer than 30 minutes. I could have dropped him off of that. But, you know, me being young and dumb and whatever, I probably like I don't I wish I remember what it was, but just like whatever it was, it wasn't significant. And. I, I was too I was too busy to spend that time with my younger brother and now that I'm sitting here wishing that I had more time with him I have no I can't do anything but to think about that time to where he was trying to spend time with me um I don't know man just no matter what you're going through in life always res- Keep your family first. Uh, I guess that's all. I say all that to say that. Just keep your family first. No matter what you're doing, those are always going to be people that support you. Those are always going to be the people that are authentic with you. And those are going to always be the people that care about you. And as far as like younger siblings and younger relatives, those are the people that look up to you. So no matter what you're doing in life, no matter what you got going in life, just make sure that you are taking time to spend time with those people to let those people know you love them to let those people know you care um honestly that's really all i have for this week's episode um i'm trying to think if there's anything else 
that's just about it, man. Um, my brother's birthday is on Monday, so I want to send a very early special happy birthday shout out to my little brother Jerron. I love you. Uh, we all miss you, man. Now, to try to, uh, I guess, to brighten up the mood, I'm going to give you guys my best-kept secret. I'm going to get out of here. Um, but before I go, I want to thank all you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in, um, whether it's on Apple, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever the case is. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure you are liking, commenting, and, and or subscribing this podcast. Make sure you spread the word about this podcast. Um I can't stress enough how much I appreciate you guys for listening. I remember when I first started this in the summer, it was just a idea of something I needed to do to to kill time because I didn't I, I didn't have anything to do, and this was what I leaned to. Um, as I've come along, now I'm 21 episodes in. I've learned a lot. Um, hopefully, I've gotten better in you guys' eyes or you guys' ears. Um, I feel like I have, but thank you guys for being with me in the growth. Within the growth, and if it's your first episode, um, listening to me, you can always go back and listen to the older ones. Once again, I appreciate all you guys. Thank you for tuning in. My best kept secret for this week is King Nas by Lupe Fiasco. Uh, may not be a best kept secret just because I keep. I probably spoke about this album two or three times, but. You know, this this is one of those albums that really get better. And the main reason why I keep on praising this album is because this is my favorite rapper, obviously. But initially, when I first listened to this album, I didn't really think it was good. And then as time goes on, it, it honestly gets better and better. And I think this is one of the top five, as far as rap goes, one of the top five rap albums. That wasn't my first impression listening to this album. So it just shows you just how great of an artist that he is. And I, that's the reason why I'm praising this album so much. Because obviously because of my favorite rapper. But it's a how well this album was crafted. So I always appreciate that. But once again, um, my best kept secret is King Nas by Lupe Fiasco. I'm out.
killer friends Dope dealers concealing sin Sinning swim in my trunk Like jumps in deeper ends We the gems Your daughter will teach her hymns From the annals of crime channels That dismantle her once for weaker men Send her back A living them feeling trapped With no religion but brimming with brilliant facts So we map cast distorted role of a lady With no control let her go hold on a baby I wanna see it all never half asleep Some niggas can't see the walls cause of the masterpiece My dad a breach like hacker leaks delete the McAfee's And slam the back doors in back of me Social engineer peers steerer to give a chat to me Happily actually activated off accolades of my apogee And act yakety then deeply speak it back to me To move it further we can have a junta or a jerga I smurf it and spoof the server reboot and produce a cursor I'm I'm a man now Advertised rum, space available on my toy box But no sleeping on me, dig deeper than reaching shorty Scheme for giant green, getting cream sweeter than being corny Know the difference between being in love and being horny Being hated, being human, being a teen, but being 40 They like to get them young, like I'm Brigham's son Be more man in my attitudes, no ladder, rather have a youth Like the OGs pulling benzos out Then make them put they pussies out like Fred Flintstone's house Heart blacker than the back of Fred Flintstone's mouth Or maybe more like Baba Kwesi, take the timbo Proud to be a man now Sorry, I'm not sure if you're